If you were walking along St Stephen's Green in one of Dublin's most exclusive neighbourhoods on a wintry afternoon in 1900, you would have seen two police constables dragging a man in a bright white waiter's uniform out of the Shelburne Hotel. The man is fairly tall, slim build with a moustache. They lead the man who resists into the back of a Black Mariah police wagon and start to move off. The wagon speeds along the busy streets of Dublin, passing squadrons of British soldiers in khaki uniforms, boys hawking the daily newspapers and the usual hustle and bustle of the city streets. The prisoner was stubbornly silent as one of the constables tries to get him to talk. Finally, the wagon pulls up outside Kilmainham Jail and the prisoner is led into the dingy building. The constables present their prisoner to the desk sergeant, who asks them what the man is charged with. Theft is their answer. The sergeant turns to the accused, a tall, thin man with a small moustache. What's your name? he asks. Hitler, he replies. Aloise Hitler. <laughs> what? What? I know. <laughs> Hello listener and welcome back to uh, the second episode of our new city series. You are listening to your host Will Davis Coleman and as ever I'm joined by my co-host Patrick Courtney. Hi Will, how are you doing? I'm all good. I hope uh, our listeners were just as intrigued as your face was when I t- uh, did that recording. I was just shocked. Colour me intrigued. Yeah, so I, I doubt many people associate Hitler's name with Dublin, especially in 1900. Yeah, like what the... what? what? <laughs> I know, I know. So that will be our episode today. We're going to be talking about Dublin. As And if anyone hasn't already, uh, our first episode came out last uh, two weeks ago now. And it's uh, Patrick's uh, story about Dublin and the Easter Rising of 1916. So go check mm. that out. Make sure you guys check us out on Instagram at Cloak and Dagger Podcast, where you can see a bunch of extra content related to all the episodes, including a bunch of images that go with every episode, which we think really like helps flesh out these stories that we're telling you. Um, and then if you would be so kind and you've enjoyed yourself uh, at the end of this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps out the show. Or just tell a friend. That also works. Well, yeah, welks. it does work. No, it does that, work. Also, that also works. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. And also, um, we, if you have anything you want to say to us, uh, hopefully positive stuff, uh, hopefully no Or negatives. negative, if you've got any negative, send them our way as well. <laughs> I was going to say DM us because we've, uh, we've got to know some of you really, really well. And we've taken on some of your advice as well, including one of the episodes in this series will uh, go down to the recommendation of one of you listeners out there. So that's for later in the series. I'm not going to reveal anything now. But, uh, it's very mysterious. But now you have to though. listen. If you've yeah. ever given us a recommendation, <laughs> you have to listen to the entire season. Yeah, we're not just saying that. We do listen and we, uh, we take things on board. So get in touch. Don't be a stranger. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, anyway, so should we get started? Yes. Let us, I need to know the rest of this story already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go. So to get us started, I thought I would introduce the city to those of you who don't know Dublin. Uh, both Patrick and I have been fortunate enough to visit that fair city mm-hmm. on a number of occasions. But there are people out there who may never have heard of it. And so I wanted to give a little bit of background into the city that the story is set in. So without further ado, Dublin sits on the eastern coast of Ireland, about halfway up the country, in line with about Liverpool, if you know where that is. Uh, the city is geographically set up at the head of a bay, and it, stravel- it straddles sorry, two rivers, the Poddle, which is a fantastic name, hmm. and the Liffey. 
and it's ringed by low hills which lead to the plains of the interior of the country. So basically you've got these massive plains where lots of agriculture is and then these rising hills and then two rivers leading out into the bay and it's in that area that Dublin sits. You think that makes it kind of defensible if it's got lots of hills? I mean, you know, you, obviously you kind of want to pick, you know, places along the coast and places near rivers, but I guess that's also a kind of a natural yeah, I mean, kind it's, of defence. It is, absolutely. I mean, if you look at um, London's the same, Highgate's on a hi- Highgate Hill and you've got Hampstead Hill and then Croydon, there's two hills that side and it's got the river running through mm. the middle. Rome, Rome, famously hilly. Seven hills and the River Tiber. Does it actually have seven hills or is that just like a... I think it does, yeah, but they're not very high now because of urban... It oh, really? builds up. <laughs> they used to be a lot higher when it was natural, right, yeah, but it's yeah. just got higher and higher. Um, and Athens is the same, the Acropolis. You should need so, hills. I mean, hills yeah, you put, river. Put a big, put a big <laughs> fort... Protect the river, and then people... That's people, it. people will come. People will come. Build it, and people will come. Build it, and people will come. Also the river. I mean, you don't build the river, but well, sometimes you do. Sometimes you divert the river. Tokyo did that, do you remember? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. the river? Uh, Something to do with that. that or the episode. bay. We don't remember our own episodes. Something to do... Listener, go back and, uh, and review our episodes, <laughs> and then let us know what we said about it. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, back to Dublin. Um, despite popular belief, including my own, Dublin was not founded by the Vikings. Oh. I know. Didn't know that. So, in fact, the local Irish had created a small settlement at the site of the corn market area of the city, for those of you living there, um, way back in the 4th century CE, so the 300s. Mm-hmm. Um, by the 6th century CE, a monastery was built there and given the name Dublin, which in Irish means the Black Pool. Not Blackpool, for those people in north north, north of England. Uh, the reason for the name is because of the pooling of water between the two rivers of the Liffey and the Poddle. Where these rivers meet, they create a darker colour from the two different, I'm guessing, the soils under yeah, in the, the sediment river. in it. Yeah, cause it to go darker. I gotta admit, I was hoping for a little more exciting name, but names of places always tend to be a bit more boring than you'd hope. It's not Game of Thrones with like really like inventive, fantastical names. It normally is just it's just the description in a language we no longer speak. So it's just like that's how it fits together. Mm-hmm. Like loads of the like loads of British cities have Chester in them because Chester used to mean city. Yeah, like Castrum. It means ta- it means camp in uh, in Latin. Yeah, it's, it's the Romans. It's the kind same of camp disappointing and it's just them naming what they see as opposed to something or they name it after a person which is also kind of boring well actually um it's funny there's a big hill in (laughs) sounds funny in the middle of the country in the cotswolds in the west bit um called breedon hill breedon hill Mm. right that is three different languages saying the word hill bree (laughs) is old english yeah for hill don is norman english for hill and hill is obviously English for hill. So basically, each new iteration, they went, what do they call this place? Bree. Okay, well, we're going to call it Bree Hill. So it's Bree Hill. Yeah. yeah. So it's actually Hill, Hill, Hill in well, different languages. Well, that's very also boring, but quite funny, actually. It's, it it got boring and then got so boring, it's kind of come back around to be funny and interesting <laughs> it's again. It's back in vogue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, that's why Dublin's called Dublin. Um, the Vikings did eventually turn up in 841 CE. I mean... Finally, 500 years after the first settlement was built. Uh, not sure why I'm sounding so, <laughs> so yeah, well, Are you rooting for Vikings here? Are you paid by the Vikings? No, no, I'm saying that they were late. Kind of are paid by the Vikings. Yeah, you're a big fan of Denmark now. Is, 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 this, is this where this podcast is going to go? Since you've lived in Denmark, you're now pro-Viking and <laughs> you'll be pushing their agenda in every episode. Absolutely not. 
And, uh, no, no, definitely not. They were, they were <laughs> not nice people. But anyway, they uh, they strengthened the defences and built a substantial port from which to raid across the Irish Sea. So that put basically Dublin on the map. Whereas before it was just another settlement, they made it a little bit bigger, which is why it's they think that they created Dublin. Oh, it's like a lot of other cities, actually, where there is a settlement there before and then someone else shows up and turns it into a much bigger settlement and then names it after them or claims it's their own. Mm. I always just think of Alexandria whenever I have this comment, but it does happen everywhere else, like New York, I think London, I think did. Uh, Pass. Pass. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no, I'm Another city we've done and we still can't remember. Well, I don't know. I know the Romans built it, but I don't know if uh, there, there will must have been, been something there's there. There's always before. something a there fishing before. village. Because it always makes sense to be there. And yeah. so, I mean, that's what it was with Alexandria. There was this other fishing village just there. So there's always something there. If there's a good place for people to be, people will be there. Yeah. And therefore, other people will want to be there. And it's also probably a lot easier to come up with a new city if there's already a, something there. You know, there's maybe some wells that have been dug. There's some, you know, like simple roads leading there. It's just a bit easier to start with something rather than nothing. But yeah, and then inevitably they claim it was all them. They just found it. They usually come up with a really lame story. Yeah. Or some like epic poem about how they found it. Hey, you're sounding very cynical today. I want a bit more whimsical, Patrick. Okay, well, I'm I'm taking anti-Viking <laughs> as <laughs> I'm my stance. Being that Viking. <laughs> sure. I mean, it sounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Okay, so uh, speeding along through the uh, through the history of Dublin, when the English came over in force in 1170, not 1172, as I was rightly corrected last week by Patrick. Those of you listening, um, <laughs> not bitter about it at all. Not at all. Uh, they made Dublin the provincial capital, and. Before this, I'm guessing it was just one other chieftain area. And then suddenly yes. the English went, no, actually, we want this because we can control. So this is the thing about Dublin. It's always been a place of control for the rest of the country rather than a natural capital, which we'll go into later. Sure. If you see what I mean. Uh, let me explain in a minute. So <laughs> let me get through this this timeline. So when they did that, when the English came over in force, or rather the sort of Normans, English kind of around that time, uh, made Dublin the capital... Many English and Welsh emigrated then to Dublin, which means even before the later waves of English and and sort of Protestants coming over, the native Irish were already English by by genealogy. You know, they've they've already been over. So that part of Ireland has been an emigration area for a much longer period than the interior of Ireland. So it always was a bit more... Cosmopolitan's probably the wrong word, but that kind of thing, you know, it's a bit There was more always open. a milk latte there. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but anyway, so uh, they, in some ways it's sort of seen as the least Irish part of the country until the modern period. Obviously now it's just the Irish capital. And yes. It's as Irish as ever. But back before then, it was slightly more sort of where the rulers lived kind of thing. Sure. Um, the English influence saw uh, Dublin prosper, and by 1700, it was the second largest city in British hands anywhere after London. Wow. I know, with a population of 60,000, which pre-industrial is That's pretty, pretty intense. Big. And so, well, yeah, so, and, and then this era, what Britain controlled is... Okay, in 1700, they had some of the West Indies. They yeah. had some, uh, they definitely had landed in the US. They yeah. already had their plantations out there, but they yeah. were still small. They're all really small colonies, yeah. They hadn't reached India yet. Um mm. yeah, that's about it really. Yeah, there's nothing major that they would pick up. I mean But no- like within within England and you, you, that includes Edinburgh, Glasgow, Manchester, Liverpool, Newcastle, all these 
massive places. And Dublin was the Dublin largest. was larger, second largest in the the whole empire. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, the very early empire. Um, anyway, so after the Act of the Union with Britain in 1800, after the 1798 rebellion, as we heard about last week, uh, Dublin ceased to be the centre of governance for Ireland, because now it was London. Yes. Right? London so, Parliament. Well, this was actually really fucking good news for Dublin, because all of the leading upper-class families left for their estates in the country. And that meant there was a vacuum, and it left the city to become increasingly middle-class and mercantile, which made a place of booming business. Oh, wow. So because you didn't, it wasn't full up with a bunch of these kind of politicians and rulers and aristocrats just taking up space and not doing much, they all left because they weren't needed anymore. Yeah. And so income, more industrious, you know, people trying to get stuff done and trying to make a buck in that way. And it kind of built the city from there. A hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. So that's a weird, you wouldn't expect, that's a very weird knock-on effect to them, you know, moving the parliament or like dissolving the Irish parliament so that they could have greater power it actually like allowed Dublin to flourish in a weird way probably yeah. pissed off a bunch of you know the other the the other Irish people living more inland where they suddenly have their you know they've been all those absentee landlords yeah, they've suddenly been te- come back they've been tending the manor yeah. house for these for these uh, aristocrats that are there maybe like once or twice a year now they're suddenly there all the time they, yeah. they were pissed off I bet they were um, so yeah, so that, that that was quite interesting when I found that out. I thought it was an interesting sort of movement of people. Uh, after calls for independence built throughout the whole of the 19th century, as we heard last week, the early t- the early 20th century saw the 1960 Easter Rising. Go listen to that episode. Followed swiftly by the 1919 War of Independence, and then just in case there didn't need any more violence, then there was the Irish Civil War, which finally ended <sighs> in 1923 all of which left a huge mark on the city. And that is the history, in a nutshell, of Dublin. From its earliest origins to the, the sorry, English Civil War, the Irish Civil War. So, yeah. Yeah, not going much further just because... I don't... It, well, first of all, it then becomes pol- politics, not history. Very, very political. And yeah. I'm not going to do that. We're but both early historians at heart, aren't we? 100%. I've never done a modern history module in my entire... Doesn't really life. count as history, does it? Well, no, exactly. I mean, we've done a bit of history that's been pretty modern, but, you know. <laughs> you have. I haven't. Have you not done anything like... My most recent is probably this one. Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think. I don't think I have. I mean, you know, there's a lot more history in the past than there is in the near present. Just that's how that time works. <laughs> the most stupid. I mean, it makes sense. It kind of fits, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know that meme where you, the guy's sitting at the table and it's uh, it says change my mind your statement yeah. is there was way more history before now than there is now yeah there's more history in the past than there is in the less past i think that's has made it as clear as i can put it yeah anyway let's get on with it okay so uh, as you might have picked up at the end of the beginning of this podcast there is a man called hitler sitting in a jail in dublin a man called hitler yeah a man but called not hitler. adolf hitler or Adolf Hitler, depending if you're American or not. You is that, always have the American. Is inside. that what it is? Adolf Hitler is American? Yeah. Really? Adolf. Adolf Hitler. We don't pronounce A. We don't put... Well, unless we're saying A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Adolf Af. Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. No, it's not Adolf Hitler. It's his older brother, Aloise. Aloise. I know. I had to look up how to say this because it's spelt A-L-O-I-S. Right. It's an unusual Austrian name, presumably Austrian name. Yeah, yeah, Austrian, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from a place called Branau, 
which is right on the Bavarian, so southern German-Austrian border. Right. So people who say that Adolf Hitler is Austrian, not German, whilst they are obviously correct, he literally it's, comes it's from really, the border. Yeah, there's so, a reason he saw himself as could be German and, you know, there's a there's a real identity crossover there. Yeah, 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 massively, yeah. Because they are they saw themselves as the same people. But we're not going to get into the uh, the race politics of Hitler. Of, of Adolf Hitler, yeah. Of maybe, Adolf Hitler. Maybe we don't get into the race politics of Adolf Hitler, yeah. <laughs> it would seem ironic. Yeah. So uh, in order to tell this story, I need to tell you about Aloise Hitler and actually the family Hitler. Because it's a funny thing to think about. Because how much <laughs> do you actually Hitler. know about Hitler, Hitler, except for him as he kind of steals the show, doesn't he? I bet, <laughs> yeah. the, I bet the other Hitler relatives are, you know, quite offended that they don't get a look in. Well, did you know that Hitler was only the second generation to have his surname? It's made up. Really, mm-hmm. it's made up. Yeah, that must be like the shortest use of a surname there's ever been, because it's made up really recently and then gets. <laughs> Stops being used it's forever. So yeah, it's never used again. So it's a very short-lived surname. Yeah, and it, so the reason it was made up was Aloise Hit- Aloise and Adolf's father was Aloise Hitler Senior. Right. Okay. And Aloise Hitler Senior didn't ever know his birth dad. Grew up with his mum, and then his stepfather was called Mister Heisler. Right. Or Heidler. Heidler. It, it's basically. Genealogists have gone back and tried to find out w- w- where the etymology starts, and it's spelt differently everywhere. So it's Heidler uh, or Heisler, right? And he basically took that because he didn't want to take his father's name because he thought his father was a bastard, right? So he used his stepfather's name, but he didn't like that either. So then he he basically amalgamated it into a new name. So Aloise Hitler. Wow. Okay. Fair of, enough. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of nice and kind of. Yeah, I feel like that's almost becoming a modern thing where people play around with the idea of surnames and, you know, you don't want to, you're not so rigidly stuck in taking your father's last name. People yeah. like combining names, people like slightly altering them in different ways. So it's going to be a nightmare for the future genealogists. Yes. But luckily that won't be me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dealing with people in the Victorian period. Yeah. Um, no, so this man, Aloise Senior, uh, was a civil servant who worked as a customs officer in the old Austro-Hungarian Empire because this is pre-World War One, and right. the Austro-Hungarian em- emperor um, was the guy who ran Austro-Hungary, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it follows. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he uh, wasn't a very nice man. He, as in Aloise Senior, wasn't a nice man, as you can imagine. He was, oh, he was sort of like, you look at him, now that I've done the research, I look at him and I don't feel sympathy for Hitler, but I see a lot of the ingredients <laughs> of Hitler coming from his dad. Well, this is great. I mean, it's not great, but what's so interesting is that again and again and it's it's explored in like, you know, in in stories, but then you see it in real life as well where people aren't just born evil for no reason. People really become evil. You know, the whole, you know, would you go back in time and kill Hitler as a baby? He's not evil at that point. No. People are driven to being evil by the environment. So there's always someone before them. There's someone there's someone who's been through something or something happens to you. So of course Hitler has something in his past that caused him to go admittedly pretty far down the evil line. Yeah. But it's not just he's not born a demon. He is a product of his environment. So this is really interesting to yeah. see what his his environment. 
We're really going to have to skirt the line because I don't want to feel any level of sympathy. No, no, but, no, no, no. We're not giving any sympathy at all. But you can understand. that There is more reasoning there now. Because the thing is that media likes to paint a very basic picture. This is adding a little bit of the background. Mm. You know? Anyway, so Aloise wasn't actually Adolf's. He was Adolf's brother, but he was his half-brother. Because okay. their father, they had the same father, Aloise Hitler Sr., had three wives. And all three of them were very unlucky in meeting Aloise <laughs> Sr. Because he was just a horrible man. So right. the first wife, his first wife, didn't have... Um, did I don't think had any children with, with Aloise. Right. He, she couldn't have children. So Aloise decided to take up a mistress who he also moved into the family home to wow. look after... Oh, no, he must have had children with the first wife, but basically to look after the, the children with his wife whilst he also started having children with her. Oh, my God. What I a... Know. That's a... I mean, that's very... It sounds like kind of ancient. Like, that's what kings would do. You know, they would have their, their wife and then they would have a mistress, but they would be living together and there would be children off multiple of these women. It sounds like that, but... Mm. A lot more recent and kind of just like an awful situation. He reminds me a bit of an Austrian Victorian era version of Henry VIII. Right. Because he's quite broody, big man, squat, but sort of imagine Henry VIII but German. Literally. Sure. Similar. Like just, and actually he's got that, uh, he looks a lot like Hitler, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> but uh, all of his wives die young. So oh, the first that's... wife dies young. And, well, we just don't know. It could have been poison, could have been cholera. They lived fairly... So it was some sort of, like, sickness, illness, but it could have been... She took to her bed depressed anyway. Oh, horrible. And so, anyway, um, so he then went, oh, this is perfect. I can now marry my mistress, whose name was Franziska Matzelsberger. And this was the, uh, the, the wife who was the mother of Aloise Hitler. So our current, our the hero in inverted colours of our story, <laughs> right, was the daughter of the first, of the second wife who was the mistress from the first marriage. Right, got it. <laughs> and then just for for my own conception, it's the third wife who gives birth to Adolf. Adolf Hitler. Yeah. So Aloise was uh, the first son born to Aloise Senior. So that's why he's named after his father. Ah, interesting. So he didn't have. Aloise Senior didn't have a son on his first wife, which no. sounds very Henry VIII, doesn't it? It sounds exactly. very trying to get an heir. Hugely. And of right. course, he had self-branded. So he'd he gone, had self-branded. He'd yeah. gone Hitler. That's my name now. So I'm starting a dynasty, basically. That's very... God, that is really kind of... Monarchical. Monarchical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starting a dynasty and mm. getting off started. Henry VIII didn't do that. I know he had his father's Tudor name. Yeah, he had his father's Tudor name, but the Tudor's only... Only just rebranded. Yeah, so it Jesus is. Was the second, you the, know, Henry the Seventh was. The yeah, first. they weren't Plantagenets. They were a new brand. Yeah. New brand. They it's were true. yeah a new a new legacy, a kind of new empire to build. Yeah, and so Aloise also wanted to do the same thing. Yeah, and as you can imagine, um, Aloise Senior was a very violent man. He but he was drunk as well. He was an alcoholic, and he took it out on his children and on his three wives. He had nine children by three women, and the first right. two of his wives, including the second one being Francisca Matzelsberger, who is the the hero Aloise Jr.'s mother, died before he did. And these women were younger than him. So oh. they're dying of stress, basically. Yes. For so, want of a better word. An awful situation. Trauma. 
yeah, whatever whatever is on the, the, the cause of death, the medical cause of death, the lives they're living is, is so unpleasant that it will be adding to whatever it yeah. is. And of all of... So I think he had four sons in total and five daughters, but only two of the sons saw that saw their way into adulthood. Oh. Aloise and Adolf. Right. Okay, well, so they're the others. They just died of like bad illnesses or poverty you know it was before hygiene really i know it sounds bad but it's true we're talking it's like the 1890s in this country were known for the infanticide hitting an absolute top right top thing so it is also bad luck i'm not blaming yeah, yeah, all yeah. of this on hitler senior but, but it, it does he help. doesn't give the impression that he's that focused on protecting his family in that way you know he's got a, he's got his firstborn son he doesn't care about his wives he cares about his legacy that's it hugely yeah 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 um, so Adolf, actually, funny enough, speaking of Adolf, Adolf once spoke about his father's brutality towards his older brother, so to Aloise Jr., which mm. I didn't know that, you know, you don't think, oh, I'm just going to look up that interview that Hitler gave about his family. But Yeah, that is very strange to think of yeah, yeah, Hitler giving I, I think it might be from Mein Kampf, so that might be where he put it in, or so, someone asked him. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I haven't read it. Uh, <laughs> Neither have I. Apparently it's shite. Yeah, well, you'd be, you'd be weird to hear that it's actually well written um, after everything else he did. But then it's interesting to get the idea that also he, Adolf, was bullied and responds. You know that that might kind of give you an idea of why, because there's there's the whole the whole concept about one of the big reasons Germany was in such a such an easy state to be like riled up was because of the way it thought it had been treated after the First World War mm. about the kind of. And the way you can kind of play on that are these larger powers that, you know, Germany was at war with, and it's I'm not saying it's not justified or anything, but they could have seen themselves as being bullied. And then that gets into the psyche of Adolf viewing himself as being bullied and needing to protect small, people yeah. from this larger imposing threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. I think, yeah, it's just been magnified to a... To, you do a, to a pretty fucking awful degree. A terrible degree. Yeah. But anyway, so this is the quote from Adolf himself. And when he says the boy, he's talking about his his brother. Once, the boy skipped school for three days to finish building a toy boat. The father, as in Aloise Hitler Sr., who had encouraged such hobbies, whipped young Aloise, then held him against a tree by the back of his neck until he lost consciousness. Oh, shit. That's the kind of level of brutality. I mean, you had... Wow. You know, hitting your children back then was a normal thing. But this yeah. was like next level brutality. Yeah, causing them to pass out, and that's that feels like a cruel. It doesn't even feel like a punishment. It feels just it's cruelty. Sadistic. It's yeah, it's it's pure power over someone. It's not a kind of standardized, you know, certain number of lashes because you did this. It is oh, how could, I mean, doing that to your own child, holding them and watching them like struggle and then eventually pass out. I mean, he could have thought he killed them. Yeah, well, this is the thing. And um, actually, I know another story of Hitler speaking about his father. The way that he, air quotes, beat his father was to basically count the number of times he was being hit by him. So when his father was, when Aloise Jr., his older brother, left home, Adolf mm -hmm. became the new punch bag for his dad, right? Yeah. So what he would do is he would sit, stand there and count the punches in his head. And this would infuriate his father. Because basically, 
it was sort of like a way of defying him. So it was almost meditative. Like yeah, he could kind he of could get keep, out. He, he, he could left his control, body basically, yeah. and he apparently went through to see his mother, and he was black and blue, bleeding, toothless, whatever. And he was smiling, and she said, "Why are you smiling?" I said, "Oh, I counted to thirty-two, and I'm still standing." And wow. and the reason I counted to thirty-two was he can't hit me anymore because he's exhausted. So this is the level of brutality in this household. It's awful. That's, that's awful. And you can see it instilling a very toxic mindset yeah, look, in, he's in, found in, a positive. in the kids. Yeah, he's, he's, he, he's fighting him in not a particularly healthy way. Like, he's able to survive. Wow. I know. You really can see an idea of a person who could do as much evil as Adolf will one day do. Yeah. Being born here in this kind of really toxic, horrific environment you're being raised as a child. Quite. And now Aloise being the oldest, was the first to be able to try and leave and flee his father. And that's exactly what he did. And he did it quite early. He did it in 1898 at the age of 14 years old. Mm. So he leaves home and to get away from all the beatings, basically, and to find a better life for himself. And his father disowns him and writes him out of the will. Because the thing is, Hitler Sr., whilst he, he lives in comparative poverty, he has loads of money. He just doesn't use it for his family he uses really for his he, ha- he has well it. he's a civil servant so he's got oh, i see so it's not like it's not like old money he just has a lot of money and just uses use all of himself spends it all of himself yeah he doesn't really want to get anything to this to this son who he is now disowning exactly yeah, yeah. so but aloise doesn't seem to care he, in 1898 he makes his way west Ooh. yeah and before you ask i have absolutely no idea why he chose dublin as his place of residence after leaving home all I can think is, is it's the furthest west he could flee from his father before crossing the ocean. Yeah. I wonder if there'd be closer ties to other nations to Austria-Hungary. Like there'd be... What, if he was in Germany or France or Belgium or something? Yeah, I guess. Like he could be found or he could end up running into people. I don't know. It's it's. I mean, yeah, it is kind of... It's as far west as you could go without also going to somewhere that would be so different to what you're used to. You know, he's not going to Spain. He's or maybe not going... he couldn't afford to go across the water. Or like all the way to America. Mm. I suppose, that, yeah, you kind of reach a limit. Oh, but I, I think... He's 14. I mean, how much money is he going to have? He's 14? Yeah. Bloody hell. That's how young he is when he's leaving. Wow. So he rocks up sometime in Dublin in 1899. Mm-hmm. But honestly, there aren't that many sources for this. All that's happened basically over the years is journalists, investigative journalists, have gone in various decades to basically seek out the the descendants of Aloise Jr. to work, to piece together the story. And then also one relative wrote a book, but it's a bit patchy on the sources. So again, a lot of this is hearsay, but I'm just trying, what I've done is I've taken as many of the facts that I can cross-reference and use them because otherwise this story could be far more wild and spurious as you can imagine because it's a Hitler name. It's going to have legend Lo- attached to it. Lots of people want to add extra. They want to embellish. Exactly. So. But anyway, he turns up in Dublin in 1899 and he for whatever reason, chose that city, as we said, and he's about 15 years old, and he manages to get a job as a pot washer and waiter at the illustrious Shelburne Hotel in St. Stephen's Green, which is where we saw him at the very top of this podcast, being Ah, led out by police constables. He's getting arrested. Yes. Okay. So, why was he getting arrested, you might be wondering. Well, again, really difficult. So, as a, I feel obliged to say because i'm a genealogist those of you who know this podcast well will know that i went looking for records of his arrest 
can't find them anywhere. But unfortunately, as we mentioned earlier, the uh, the Civil War in Ireland... Really kind of buggered all that. It kind of did, because they blew up the public record office. So lots of those were blown up. All those records are gone. Wow. So that was kind of irritating. I also thought... Um, maybe they'd spelt the name wrong because it's a foreign name. Maybe they'd got it got it wrong in the records. But I looked, I tried every variation, couldn't find it. But essentially, some other they they must exist these records because the investigative journalists have found them somewhere. Right, so they the are somewhere, but it's not digitised somewhere. I, 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 there's only so far. There's a bu- there's no budget for this. You didn't travel to Dublin to the archives there. Oh, the only, well, well, to be I fair, can only apologise, listener. I actually did put some of my own money into. I can see you waving a piece of paper at me aggressively. Not aggressively. I assume we'll get to this piece of paper in a bit. Uh, you absolutely will. You can hear it. There's a bit of ASMR for the yeah. uh, thing. <laughs> Anyway, so yes, yeah, so the the reason he was arrested was he was uh, found thieving, and we do not know any more than that. To speculate, I reckon he might have either been pickpocketing the coats of people coming into this posh hotel, of course, or more sadly, he might have been stealing food. Ah, oh. so it's hard to know. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a yeah. There's 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 kind of. There's a nicer way to look at it in a realistic way. That's, yeah. I was hoping, you know, kind of Oliver Twist, stealing. artful dodger, yeah. stealing, you know, pickpocketing stuff. But no, you're probably right. It's going to be food, isn't it? Having said that, though, he's a crafty bastard, as you'll see later in this. So it wouldn't surprise me that if he was doing a bit of pickpocketing as well. And he did have a job. Yeah. So he's he, not, he, he would be able to afford food. Yeah. So well, I imagine part of his his wage would be food. Was and food. Board. Room was, and board, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so he, he gets sentenced uh, for five months of labour. Uh, in Kilmainham Jail in 1900. And sadly, he he serves that time, comes out the other side, gets another job, waitering, probably mm. under another version of his name, because you could do that back then. You could Especially just, yeah. if you're foreign, you could just change it from Hitler to Heidler or whatever, yeah. you know, like his father did. And again, the same crime gets committed... In really? 1902, he gets sent down again for eight months, this time, instead of five. Right. So clearly, either it's because he was foreign, maybe, because it was xenophobic, mm-hmm. or he was just a bit of a bad egg. I mean, coming from that that home, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he had a couple of habits, you know, to sort of keep him afloat, and he just got caught. And it's not like he's really going to get any good life lessons by going thrown into prison either so you're just going to meet more criminals and exactly i mean you'd hope you get better at it but clearly not he got caught immediately as well, well no 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 because if he only got t- caught twice we don't know what he managed to steal that's very true and actually over this time period because i was going to do a different story not mm. this one until i found this i've got to talk about hitler in dublin <laughs> um that the irish crown jewels were stolen in this time period oh my god so from when, dublin castle when you were talking about you know conjecture and embellishment to stories <laughs> i think we we're already doing that is this about to become a heist episode no um, sadly it won't although i one day would love to tell the irish crown jewels story because it is fascinating and they've never been recovered so, really yeah yeah um anyway but so between 1902 so he comes out of prison roughly 1903 between 1903 and 1909, he drops off the radar. Okay. And it, those are quite formative years. So he goes, it's all before his, so from 21 to 28, our current age. Yeah. We don't know where he is. He is in Dublin, but he basically reforms his character. And by okay. that, I mean, he gets better at crime, I think. Yes. Again, speculation. But the next time he enters the story, he is standing at the Dublin Horse Show at the Royal Dublin Society Arena. So we're talking posh 
It's like going to the Henley Regatta or wow. to the Royal Ascot or whatever. It's like, <laughs> and he's there, and he's there invited. He's he, not. Well, whether he's invited or not, I'm not sure. But from an eyewitness statement, he had a gold pocket watch chain. Wow. And he was wearing a Homburg hat, which is the Churchill hat. Oh, okay. Again, quite a nice hat to wear, as in it's it's known as the pauper's crown. It's a posh. It's the poshest sort of common man's hat. Right. So yeah, you you met you have made a lot of money, but you are still poor. You know, you're not you know, well, you're just not landed gentry. You know. Wow. So he's done really well for himself, or presumably ha- in crime. It could be from crime. Could be. But um, what we do know is that there was going to be a chance meeting at that event in 1909, and that was with a young girl and her father who'd come to watch the races. Okay. Now this girl was called Bridget Dowling. She was. 17 years old and he was at the time 28 as i was saying was he no sorry he was 26 at the time and so quite an age gap of nine years but anyway and uh this would become his future wife ah okay so a romance story instead well this is just this this is this is an episode into the life of a hitler not called adolf (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that happens to be set in Dublin. I mean, that's the name of the episode, A Hitler Not Called Adolf. <laughs> oh, yeah, that yeah, is. That works is. quite well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so uh, this this girl, really, I can't really call her a woman yet, was 17, and she'd come with her father. She had just left convent school. Right. So a very traditional Irish Catholic background. Yes. And uh, he started to strike up a conversation with her about the racing. And in that conversation, he told them that he was a wealthy hotelier visiting various <laughs> countries across Europe for venture capital purposes. I'm, I'm finding it hard not to like him. I like, I like the... <laughs> it's I like the, so bold. I know, it's amazing. Like, he's just, you know, to, to come from where he's come from, to do... Oh, you know what he's reminding me of? Did you see... And it was like, it's a, it's a real person, but the... Catch me if you can. No, she was like a a, a fake German heiress in New York. They oh, Anna Delvey. Anna Delvey, yeah, this kind of... Why do you know, look so poor? Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> but it's like this. It's like someone from very far away coming to ostensibly a richer place. Yeah. Dublin would be richer than yeah, where, where just they... about. Yeah, so... And then kind of reinvents themselves and uses these, like, underhanded tricks to find their way into the establishment and like the hierarchs and the, the the high society yeah so i kind of like it okay i see where you're coming from obviously i know the whole story so i don't particularly like this guy <laughs> okay but, so um, I, shall i reserve judgment no 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 no, no. I, i'd rather that you just t- t- say it how it is patrick this is a sure. free and open podcast after all so bridget basically falls deeply in love almost instantly from her mm. own words the person who is writing the memoir i was talking about was bridget Really? Yeah. Wow. So she writes up her life and people have discredited her. A lot of mm-hmm. the things she says have been found to be not true. So you had to kind of take it with a pinch of salt. Sure. But she did. I don't think she's lying about this. She fell deeply in love with Aloise and the couple went on dates to the National Dublin Gallery. Oh, quite often uh but whilst r yes she's 17 and he's 26 yeah yeah slightly icky yeah that's yeah that's true but it's and she has no experience of the outside world pretty much oh god yeah convent school till she's 17 or 16 yeah yeah it's it 
There's a lot of that. It's hard to find romance in any part of history if you really look into it, especially if you look at the horrifying age difference between most of the participants. Very true. And I've just realised that at the beginning of this podcast, I said I wanted Patrick to be more whimsical and, and less sort of thing. And now I'm the <laughs> yeah. one being less whimsical. Stifling my dream. Your whimsy. Yeah, I'm enjoying a lovely like romantic tale. And you just keep bringing back the fact With that... With a guy called Hitler, dude. It's I, never going to happen. It's not that Hitler. Like, <laughs> true, true, true. Don't judge a joke. Don't what? Don't, don't judge a book by their last name. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind next time I meet a book. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Bridget's family were. Pro- I mean, this isn't. I think this is fairly obvious, but uh, they were not pleased with the courting of their daughter by this strange man. Probably because he was older. Also, probably because he was German or Austrian. It sounds like it's more likely to be the German Austrian thing because, and, like, age difference back then not that important. But but also, uh, he they found out that he wasn't a wealthy hotelier. Yeah, yeah. So it was well, like, the lack of hotels. There was no presumably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so once they'd found that out, they were really against their daughter seeing him. But Bridget did not care, and the two of them, yep, they eloped. Wow. To London. Good for them. No, it's yeah, still no, weird. No, no, still... Star-crossed lovers will take this one. Let them go. How, how, what's the t- what's the timeline between them meeting and them making this massive decision of their lives? Uh, roughly a year. Okay, so she's now 18. She is 18, yes. So, by today's standards, it's not illegal, there's nothing, you know, 18, 27. I think you had to get permission of the father before they were 21, back then. But they could go to London and elope. They oh, you know, they, to, can, like... they, they can still do it, but by by sort of the practice, you're meant to get the consent of the father before 21. Not anymore, but back then. Yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So they, they head off. They head off to London, which I think... That's quite a long distance to go back in 1910. Sorry, I was just looking that one note. <laughs> in 1910. You know, but, uh, you know, they did it. They get they get down to London. Well, he's made it a very long way before. So he's done this journey. Presumably, he's probably done this exact journey. Yeah. Because he would go through London, arguably, to get from Austria Austria to Dublin. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Must have been. Um, so anyway, so uh, they actually, they land in London. And the thing is... I can't prove this, but they might have lived there in separate places for quite some time. The reason I say that is, as soon as I heard that he'd married her in London, I ordered their marriage certificate, which is what you could hear crinkling in the background earlier. Wow. So I spent seven Not British their pounds. Not actual one, a printout of the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, no, no, a printout, but a really nice one. Uh, and it tells you this. On the 3rd of June, 1910, Aloise Hitler, 27 years old, hotel waiter by profession... Uh, married uh, Bridget Elizabeth Dowling, who is 18 years old, and she hasn't got a profession. profession. Or if she did, they didn't bother <laughs> to put it not, down because she's a woman, basically. And what's interesting is that they got married at the registry office. Okay. Not in a church, because no. I think they then need the father's permission. Right, okay. So it's, it's more of like yeah. an elopement, yeah. In Marylebone. So this is oh. just happening not far from where this is being recorded. Um, and it also lists their addresses. So he was living at an address of 37 Blandford Square, Marylebone, whilst Bridget, I reckon Bridget might have been staying with family because she's living at 4 Percy Street, St Pancras. So anyone who knows London, they're not too far apart, but they are, you know, they're not next door they to each They couldn't hop on the tube. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, there would have been tube then, you're right. Um, but you know what I mean? It's a bit of a funny, I find it interesting. I don't know if, they, I don't know if those would connect in the, whatever tube lines would have Bakerloo? been around. Bakerloo? Bakerloo would... 
I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. The point is, though, that we have it in writing. It says, Aloise, holding a document that says Hitler marrying anyone just sounds weird <laughs> in London of all places. Yeah. So, yeah, that I'll put a photo of this up on the Instagram when we put it up uh, later. So, yeah. So, they go to London and they've eloped. And once they had eloped, they decided to move to Liverpool. Now, why cool. did they move to Liverpool? I reckon it's because Bridget wants to be closer to home. Yes. Couldn't go actually back to Dublin because it would have been... Although they're now married, so there's not much their family can do. Yeah, but I reckon that... I don't think Aloise wanted to return. And he might not have wanted to return because of criminal enterprises. Yeah, so, so it'd be close enough where they could visit the family, but not so close where the, the Dublin police could catch up with them. Yeah, quite. So, off they go to Dublin... No, sorry. Off they go up to Liverpool, and they settle there and give it a year. And in 1911, they have a son... Ah. Who they named William Patrick Oh <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> My name, what? your name, and Hitler's name all wrapped into one. How do you what? feel about that? <laughs> oh my god. That, this has become deeply personal. <laughs> that is going to be a great soundbite for our next uh, our next trailer. Yeah. <laughs> My what? name, your name, what? Hitler's name all wrapped into one. Right. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not annoyed at the names. They're good. They're fine names. But with but Hitler it's, off it's, it. But it's it's an odd combination. I know. It's so it's interesting. Also, so English, Irish, and then still keep the Austro-Hungarian. Well, the reason it is is uh, William was the name of Bridget's father. Okay. Patrick was named after the patron saint. Classic. And then obviously Hitler is Hitler. Hitler is Hitler. Yeah. So obviously, you know, <laughs> it wasn't going to be William Patrick Dowling, was it? So. So okay. We've got Mrs. Hitler, Mrs. Bridget Hitler, right. little William Paddy Hitler, and then Aloise Jr. Billy Hitler. Paddy Hitler. Yeah, I know. That doesn't Running sound around right. Toxteth Park in yeah. Liverpool. <laughs> Having a wonderful old time. So strange. With our names and Hitler's. Yeah. Oh, that's really weird. I don't like that we have this personal connection to Hitler suddenly. No, it's not very nice, is it? A bit chill. No. Uh, Different Hitler, though. But yeah. so far, there's only been one Hitler that I'm vaguely on board with. The other ones have been yeah. So this guy, this, this is where we we deviate on on uh, Aloise being a good guy because okay. whilst it looked pretty rosy up until this point, it then all goes a bit downhill. So oh no, Aloise, like his father, became violent. Oh, I know. And it's a real family trait, isn't it? It really is. Physically violent to both his wife and to his child, to his son. Oh. And the reason part well, there's no reason for violence. But one of the uh, sort of the issues was because Aloise wanted to go back to Germany to pursue a business there, a business venture that he decided on. Okay. And and it was a legitimate business thing. It's not yeah, like yeah, he yeah. was running black black markets. <laughs> when you say legitimate business, it still sounds illegal, like oh, a legitimate okay. business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a front. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no. Uh, and and she and Bridget put a foot down and said, "No, I'm not. Mm. I'm not leaving." And so he then became violent. Okay. And eventually, I mean, fair play to Bridget. Bridget was like, no, I'm not going anywhere. And so he storms out. And let me just say, he storms out in 1913 or maybe 1914. Wow. Wow. So what a time to leave Liverpool. Takes a moment, yeah. I know. So he gets over to Germany pretty much at the outbreak of World War One. Really? Yeah. So what a way to avoid your, your estranged wife. Yeah, to be on the to the other side of, of a, a battlefield. Literally. <laughs> um, and so uh, thank God Bridget put her foot down. And he leaves without his son. Yeah. Oh. 
good. Yeah. So William Patrick Hitler, who I'm now, I feel personally responsible for somehow. He's actually a good egg. Well, fairly good egg. Well, yeah. Mm, Actually, he's not that great. I, I don't know. He's fine. I was about to say, how could he not be with such great names? And then you really threw me under the bus <laughs> yeah, by yeah. saying, well, maybe not so well, good. Uh, yeah, I'll explain later. But anyway. Better than his forefathers. Yes, absolutely. Uh, certainly than his uncle. Yeah. Uh, so off he goes. He goes, Aloise is back in Germany alone in World War One, And apparently before he got to Germany, one source I found said that he went gambling around Europe before returning to Germany. So right. this guy is a good time guy. He likes the races. It's where he met his future wife. Yeah. He's gold chain. He's been in prison twice for thieving. And now he's gone on a gambling spree around Europe. He's enjoying life. You're getting a bit of an idea about who this guy yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, it's not quite clear whether Aloise actually fought during well, the First World War. I'm pretty sure he did, but I can't find the record. Can't find proof. And if he's got connections in the underworld, would he be able to if he get had away from it? In the underworld, in I suppose he wouldn't have connections over there. But he, you know, he's got the he's if got he's the street a, smarts. Yeah, you know, he, he might have just stayed somehow out of it by having. And so when he goes back, does he try and make contact with any of his old family? For instance, his younger brother, who might could become important in history for whatever reason. Honestly. I looked everywhere for connections between Adolf and Aloise, and they very rarely met. Really? And I don't think it was an estrangement, necessarily. I think it was just, we don't want to... I'm speculating here, but I imagine they don't want to share past trauma. Yeah, they, they're one, they're, the thing they're connecting them is probably the thing that they both hate most in the world. Yeah. Also, Adolf did go to war, didn't they? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so he was in the war. Hard to actually meet up, regardless, either, even if Aloise was did go and fight you wouldn't necessarily get put in the same unit like hard to meet people in that time there was one so you know i said earlier that bridget dowling sorry bridget hitler the wife of aloise wrote a memoir she claims that adolf came over to see them in liverpool sometime before world war one really now and that she also claims she told him to shorten the mustache now Right. People don't. <laughs> there's no evidence that Adolf Hitler made the journey across to England right. in that time. So it's her word against the facts that we can't prove. So and she wants to take credit for that. Well, you're cashing out on the name. I mean, back I then, it's whatever. But anyway, so point is, whether he served or not, he used the war as an excuse. He literally arranged for Bridget to find out that he had been killed in the conflict. Oh my god! I know. I know. What I know. A- Prick. I, I completely agree. And what's so interesting about this was I found Bridget's 1921 census in Liverpool, right? Wow. So this is post-war, 1921. Mm-hmm. War ends in 1918. And in it, I'm looking at it right now, her mother has come over to look after Bridget. Mm-hmm. So it's Bridget Dowling <laughs> is running the show. Then Bridget Hitler is her daughter, 29, widowed. So she believes in 1921 that she's a widow. Right. And then underneath you've got William Patrick Hitler with his uh, with uh, other Dowlings. So he's basically being brought up with, uh, surrounded by the Dowling family. So is that... I'm, sorry, listener, I'm going to move around to his side of the table because I don't see this. You had to join my mic. Where, where, wait, where's... So there's Bridget Dowling, oh Bridget God. Hitler, Anne Dowling, William Dowling, Thomas Dowling, and then William Hitler. William Hitler. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes me feel a bit better, the fact that it doesn't have my name connected to Hitler. Oh, It does have your name. (laughs) Wow. But he's 10 years old and three months. Wow. I know. And then in things, it says father's dead. Yeah, father dead. Father dead, so they do, yeah. Which he's absolutely not. He's completely living, breathing, and, and, well, 
for want of a better word, thriving. And defrauding the census, which is perhaps the biggest (laughs) crime of all. (laughs) So true. So anyway, uh, Bridget does find out later that Aloise is alive. And the reason she finds out is because the German authorities post-war seek her out because Aloise, post-war, settles in Hamburg and tries to marry again. (laughs) Wow. Really like father, like son. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Complete bigamist. Mm. And the thing is, the local authorities found out somehow, I have no idea how, that Bridget was the first wife. Right. And so they go and find her. And they say, do you want to push to have him imprisoned for six months? Because that's for bigamy. Obviously. That's a, that's that, that's a crime in that way that if the the wife can press charges, yeah, that's interesting. The what they asked the wife, they wouldn't go and I guess she's not close with or if her parents are still around because you'd think you'd ask the like the father mm. of the of the wife. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why, but anyway, Bridget apparently um, said no. I don't want to press charges. She probably wanted nothing to do with the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a result, actually, he gets away with it. So, so he does marry again. Yeah. Well, yes, and has another son called. Would could you get honestly more German than Heinz Hitler? Heinz, <laughs> Heinz Hitler, right? No yeah. relation to the Heinz. Uh, I was about to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that the conclusion of the story? <laughs> well, this is the thing. So you've got you've got William Patrick Hitler and Heinz Hitler, who are right. the nephews of Adolf, and to and I'll get on to what he thought of both of those uh, of the nephews in a minute. Okay. But just to sort of finish off. We're near the end now, and I'm just going to put Aloise to bed, if you like. Uh, Aloise, uh, post-war, obviously bigamously marries, and then in 1926, he joins the Nazi party, his brother's <sighs> little club. Wow. But What a little prick. <laughs> exactly. So you don't love this guy anymore. No. But he leaves again in September 1927, a okay. year later. So it's like he went in and went, hey, this is my brother's little like Yeah, adventure. name dropping. And then kind of went, yeah, not for me. I'm going <laughs> to go, actually. <laughs> so he leaves again. He's not a Nazi party you guys, member. You guys actually listened to Adolf when it was crazy ideas? Like, wow, I totally thought that was going to get rejected. I, I personally think what happened was he didn't take it seriously. And then when the violence started, he I, th- I he is a lot of aversion to violence. Uh, yeah. He hits people. I'm not saying he's, but he doesn't want to be in but the he hits firing. his wife and his kid. Like it's not, he's not a... Yeah, he's a bully. Like yes. his father. He's yeah, his he's, brother. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a bully, you know, Adolf took it to a whole new level. Well, yeah. Exactly. Whereas they, whereas his father and brother just are just kind of like Assholes. toxic bullies where they could they only attack those that are in their power and that are weaker than them exactly yeah i'm not trying to make adolf look better in this regard but you know it's no but it's, it's interesting we're actually talking about adolf as a human yes which i never do because he doesn't deserve it but also because of the way hitler is portrayed in history is he's just a big baddie but actually if you put the humanity back in i think it makes it more it, interesting it makes it a lot more interesting and also healthier to view bad things coming from people who have had bad things happen to them as yeah. opposed to just this pure evil which is just which is easier to cons- like to consider and then also easier to kind of ignore other awful things because you're like well it could never go that bad because you have to be pure evil to be well you don't you you know one guy is awful to his three wives and beats his sons mm. and turns one of the sons into the one of the biggest mass murderers of all time yeah. like that's not it's not hard to see how that fits together unfortunately like you can turn someone into awful hideous people 
by you being awful to them. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, so Aloise, once he got back to Germany after World War One, had some business dealings. That's in every source. It's vague, but he had a fairly successful business. Whatever business, it was probably something incredibly boring, like paper. Or something, but he had like the office. Well, quite, yeah. It's under Mifflin. <laughs> started Mifflin. as uh, Aloise, yeah. Aloise and Sons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's a very, very different sitcom. But one I would watch. <laughs> we are not targeting that one. Yeah. Um, but anyway, well, essentially, his business ventures all went under during the Great Depression. Uh, okay. of 1928 so he's had quite a, a few years because 1926 he bigamously marries and almost goes to prison okay 19 in that same year he also joins the nazi party the following year he leaves the nazi party and the following year after that his business folds so post depression as in the great depression not his depression uh aloise <laughs> <laughs> aloise opened a cafe so he starts running a cafe. I think that's sort of hilarious. Running a cafe called the Conditori Cafe Aloise in Berlin. Cafe Aloise. <laughs> yeah. In Berlin, of all places, where Nazi enforcers, the SA, if you know the brown shirts, yeah. enjoyed hanging out. So he is still oh, okay. like... He's a friend. He, yeah. <laughs> this guy is not a good guy. He's just, he's just not a Nazi party member, which will come back as the best decision he ever made. I'll explain in a minute. How how old is he at this point? In 1928, he was 46. 46. Okay, so maybe he's looking to retire. You know, he's spent a long... He's had a long old life. Oh, he lives for quite some time yet. Oh, okay. So uh, at 46, he's now a cafe. He's the proud owner, proprietor of Conditori Cafe Aloise, um, serving any Nazi anywhere their coffee. Yeah, sure. Um, but So then, obviously, the war takes off. and The Second World War. The, yes. And his... Um, Heinz, his his other son, Heinz Hitler, okay, uh, was a fanatic, a Nazi, like really? to the point of SS fanaticism, and um, he took in everything that his uncle had told him, and he was known as the favorite nephew of really. Of Hitler. So, so at this point, although the brothers might not like each other. Adolf has quite an impact on his... I don't know if Aloise and Adolf got on. There's just no record. So we just don't know. The fact that they're not... I mean, you know, he's he's clearly... I mean, it's also very interesting, the fact that the the older, younger brother dynamic that, you know, Adolf Hitler is now in control of this massive party and his older brother probably doesn't want to be part, like, his underling yeah, because maybe. he's his older brother. And, you know, they've grown up in such a toxic, masculine um, home that he probably doesn't like the idea but he obviously can't be that anti it because but you they get also killed. come from different mothers. Yeah, that's true. So, so I get, well, whether they see each other as that connected, especially as their one connection is this guy who they both hate. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Well, you say, and again, the hatred is a funny thing because I'll explain. Aloise has a very interesting relationship with his father, mm. Aloise senior and junior. Whilst obviously it wasn't good at fourteen, I'll explain what happens at the end. But so World War Two breaks out. Heinz Hitler member a high highly valued member of the nazi party okay defies his uncle adolf and petitions to join the eastern front uh, fighting the russians so basically right. adolf doesn't want his favorite nephew to be killed out on the front where he knows people are dying in droves right but his fanaticism heinz's fanaticism leads him to defy ah. his Fuhrer and go over there and fight properly. But it's not necessarily oh that's such a that's such a tragedy because I imagine it's not in a 
F you to Hitler. It's in, no, it's it's in adoration. Yeah. of It's like, I know you want to protect me, but I want to do this for you. Yeah. So what happens is he's out there and he gets captured by the Russians. Oof. And uh, at the same time, not quite the same time, Stalin's oldest son gets captured by the Germans. Oh, okay. So Hitler rushes to the telegram and says, Oi, Joseph, as mm. in Stalin, do you want to do a swap? Yeah. Like for like? Joseph Stalin, cold, cold man that he doesn't was. Doesn't give a shit about his son. Fuck about that. He shouldn't have been caught. He should have uh, committed suicide. Well, that's such an interesting thing because it's son and then nephew. Yeah. And to be. Uh, or probably adopted opposites. son. I mean, in the empire way of thinking, Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar was the adopted son. Yes. It's actually yeah. his nephew. It's exactly the same thing. So that's kind of how Hitler's thinking about it. Heinz dies a, oh, a terrible, terrible torture death. Really, uh, in, by the Russians, yeah. Because as soon as they found out he was a Hitler, it's not. Yeah, he's not. He, they're not. They Stalin probably also prefers the idea of torturing. Oh, absolutely. Adolf's like almost adopted son. Yeah, and doesn't give a shit about so his a- son. Yeah. A- Alois Junior has has outlived his son, which is oh, so sad. And really he's estranged sad. pretty much from his other son. Although they did yeah. meet when William Patrick Hitler was eighteen in Germany, but then it then went away again. When William Patrick Hitler was in. So when William Patrick Hitler turned 18, uh, Bridget Hitler, or Bridget Dowling, Aloise's estranged wife, yes. agreed to allow William to go meet his father in Germany. Just go to meet, not to go stay. Well, just in general giving permission yeah, yeah. to have any sort of contact. Sure. So they did meet. Father-son did meet again. So that's all we know. That's just the facts. As you can tell, I'm literally going from fact to fact here because it's so hard. There's so much spurious so... stuff. That's what I'm doing. I'm here to speculate. I know. I have none of the facts. <laughs> but anyway, eventually the world, the Second World War ended and the Americans instantly arrest Aloise because his surname. Can you imagine? They pick up the, the phone book <laughs> and they go to H. The first yeah. thing you do is go to <laughs> just, H. They just find a phone book. Hitler? A phone book Oh my German. God. They go, let's see, let's see how many Hitlers there are. Only one? That's very well, disappointing. We have got to get him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they arrest him and obviously you'd imagine that is the most dangerous moment of Aloise's life. Sure. Apart from maybe if he was in World War One, We're not sure. Mm. But anyway, um, they realised, though, that they couldn't charge him because he wasn't even a member of the Nazi party. Wow. So, so he, even though he is the brother mm-hmm. of this monster, he is... I mean, that's quite a lot of restraint from the American soldiers to go, legally, he's not done anything. Yeah. He is brother to pure evil in their minds. Yeah. But all he's done is have a coffee shop. Exactly. And so Aloise survives that ordeal and mm-hmm. he eventually dies 11 years after the end of the war in 1956 at the age of 74 years old now i said that aloise had a funny relationship with his father the reason i say that is his in his will he wanted his well first of all he wanted to be buried next to his father right then his family went there's no way you're getting buried anywhere near anyone because your name they're, they're going to vandalize your grave oh. so he then gets cremated and in the will, it says he wants his ashes spread near his father. So, you know, it's a funny old world, the abusive relationship. I would say, yeah, I would say hate is still part of it. But there is that kind of attachment to your your father. And especially the, the father being so impactful to his life early on, even mm. though it's negative, it's still really important. Still your dad, I guess. Wow. Well, so just to finally finish, to tie off the loose ends, mm. Bridget and William Patrick Hitler. Both emigrated to the USA. Great place to go. Change the name? Well, so yes, they do change their name. But William Patrick Hitler before then, actually, this is before the First World War, sorry, Second World War broke out, went to his uncle, Mm. Addy, and said, hey, 
give me a job in Deutsche Bank or the Reichsbank. <laughs> no way. And and Adolf went, what? Yeah. No. <laughs> You're not my favourite. Um... Well, he got so annoyed because he kept petitioning Adolf. He's like, hey, 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 hey. I want to cash in on you. Basically, he was just oh, as annoying. Whereas imagine you had Heinz Hitler who was like, do anything. He was duty bound, yeah. like perfect mm. nephew. And then you had this little shit who basically was like, oh, why aren't you giving me a job, uncle? Yeah. And so basically because he couldn't get a job there, he then just goes and bitches about Hitler. <laughs> In, like, anyone who will ask. He goes to bitch he, about Hitler. He literally does. He goes to the US and takes interview after... It's like going to the Late Late Show. He's like, Harry. So, <laughs> he's like Prince Harry. He's like Prince Harry. <laughs> <laughs> he has his own Oprah interview. <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine? Um, no, so, yeah, he goes over there and basically says why Hitler is... He also makes up lots of claims about Hitler. So, if you've ever heard claims about him being a pervert... And as in Adolf Hitler being yeah. a pervert and a drug mule and no drug one mule. ball was that him? Well, I have no idea, but basically he just kept saying claim after claim. Wow! <laughs> because you know he was like, well, if you're not going to give and me this a is job, before the war, well, before and then during, before and then during, and then yeah. he joined up as a U.S. Navy man. He had to get express permission with his surname wow. to from the president, and he still had his surname. Yeah, yeah, yeah that he point. didn't change it. No, because you can cash in. I guess. So then basically after the war, he changes his name because obviously that's now not a name in vogue and he's he can't make any more money out of that name. No. So he changes it to Stuart Houston. Stuart Houston. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it's, it's also very joining the Allies because Stuart is very British and then Houston is very American. It so is. He's just like... Might as well call himself Will- like William Washington or something. <laughs> it's so true. But anyway, um, so then what happens is him and his mum settle down in Long Island. Nice. And uh, Bridget. Oh, died. so Bridget comes over. Yeah, yeah. Does Bridget she changed her name as well. Yes. Oh, she either goes back to. Oh, Dowling, the original. Yeah. Or she also goes to Houston. I'm not sure. Interesting that yeah, that William didn't take his mother's maiden name. He wanted to come up with his own one. Well, look, he's repeating history because it's it's all the way about his grandfather, Alois yeah, Hitler. Making up their own last name. They yeah. don't want to use a paternal name. No. And anyway, so Sorry, then he... A, ma- a maternal name. Maternal name. Yeah, yeah. So he then... Um, so Bridget dies in 1969 at the age of 78. Mm-hmm. And William has four sons. Right. And one of which died in the 1970s. But the other three are still, as far as I can tell, alive and living. And right. So we're talking about the, well... Great nieces and nephews nephews great nephews the great nephews of adolf hitler are still around today because it would be their grandfather's brother yeah so yeah so that is your great uncle yeah yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. wow um and uh i know that one of them they're all retired well they're you know they're fairly old now one of them was a former social worker and the oh. other two so one of them died young yeah then the other two uh, so the other one is a formal social worker and the other two have a landscaping business. So they're, they're gardeners. Nice. And they live quietly and they decline interviews. They always have done um, Good. about Good their their past and their, their, their heritage. And they've all apparently made a pact to not have any children so that the Hitler gene pool dies with them. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's quite sad. It is sad. But imagine having that in your family tree. Yeah, but it's not a direct one. But I suppose there's other bad things in there. And yeah, I mean, I wonder whether or not it'd be it'd be amazing. And obviously, they don't give interviews, and we'd never know. But it'd be interesting to know the thought process now of whether or not they just spiritually think it should die, or whether they don't want a descendant of theirs like 
They don't want bringing the abuse. back. Yeah, they do. Well, yeah, they don't want the. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it wonder if it's protective, it protective yeah. of the kids. Or I mean, they could also be worried about one of their ancestors, or sorry, one of the descendants deciding I'm related to this guy. You know, neo-Nazis. <laughs> neo-Nazis are a big deal nowadays. And if there was a you know young alt-right kid who said, "Yeah, my actual great-great uncle was Adolf Hitler." That'd be awful. And they would say Adolf Hitler because they're in America. Exactly. So I nailed it that time. <laughs> so, yeah, that is my story. I know it wasn't particularly Dublin-based, yeah. <laughs> but it certainly started in Dublin. Dublin adjacent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, that yeah. is that is amazing. And it's so, yeah, it's, it's great hearing history about something we know so much about, but you don't know this part about it because of the kind of mental blocks we put in place, which I perfectly understand why we have those mental blocks. It's totally reasonable to think about in in more in black and white terms during those days because it is just horrifically awful mm, but mm. it's nice to kind of see the stories behind it the more human stories behind it the reasons why people turn so evil and then kind of how someone else in the same position also will live their life and doesn't do as much damage but lives their own kind of cruel life as well yeah and and i also like the humanity yeah cuz you you see much more this story is now enriched because we know more yes and uh, so, and obviously i'm biased i, I i'm a genealogist literally my job is this is to, really a genealogist story it, isn't it really it? is and i loved doing the research for this because yeah. i you know i ordered birth marriage certificates i found the 1921 census on it like i could do my job basically i assume there's no there's no birth certificate with william patrick hitler in it no 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 100 percent is but i'm not <sighs> paying 11 quid for it <laughs> I think you should. I want to. See, I want to see you it. You do it. I'll pay eleven quid. That's eleven quid. <laughs> Fuck it. It's just funny to see our names next to that name. I just couldn't believe I'd found this uh, this marriage certificate. I thought that was brilliant. But anyway, yeah, of course. Wow, it is nice actually. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty, twenty-four, and eighteen. Twenty-seven. Is that a seven? Mm. Looks like a four. But I guess you know. I can't read. Are you sure? It doesn't say twenty-four. Oh my god! It's a four. <laughs> <laughs> I've just done the math. Oh no! You know what it is. Oh, I'm so sorry. Some people do a set. Well, we just won't conclude this, and people aren't going to pull, pull me up on it. Well, I do the editing, man. You so just, you love that you're right as well. <laughs> Fuck's sake! What the fuck was I? Wait a minute. He was born in 1882, right? Yeah. Do the maths. No, that is four. That is 24. Is it 24? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. No, 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 no. I was right. You are right. It's a seven. He's 28. He's he's 28 that year, but it's before his birthday. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. Your faith in your career is Bloody restored. Hell, I know. I was, I was just like, I anyway. Anyway, should we should we round out the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to leave all that in. <laughs> Might cut yeah, bits out I of it. I don't but mind if you do. Yeah. Because now now you're vindicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed learning a little bit more about Hitler. Probably in a way you probably didn't expect to, and mm. it's got Dublin involved. A final thing I'll say is if anyone is lucky enough to uh, stay at the Shelburne Hotel, which is where he was arrested at the beginning, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe this. I went onto their website, and it's a gorgeous hotel, one of the best hotels in, in Dublin. Right. They offer a genealogy chauffeur package. What? They have a built-in, not built-in, <laughs> an in-house is the word, genealogist who will find someone in your family who's related to Ireland. So he's got they the, wow, whoever they are. That's such a great idea. Whilst you're sitting there, three hundred euros this costs. Hmm. They will literally work out your nearest rel- relation to Ireland. Wow, that's a great idea because yeah. they'll have lots of 
and you know, lots of I mean, it's a bit of a stereotype, but Americans love knowing about their like European ancestry. So they probably get loads of people like that. Yeah. And Irish people are all over the world, so you would find a lot of them. You get a lot of Americans there, as you said. Yeah. So <laughs> it's gonna be a, a fairly easy job for them probably. But anyway, yeah. So enjoy I hope you enjoyed listening to that guys. Please come and rate us wherever you're listening to your podcast, to the podcast. And Patrick, what are we going on to next week? Well, this is a really exciting one because I had a whole other idea, which I'm not going to mention because there's no point when I'm doing it. And then I had my mind changed after visiting a city. I was very lucky to be able to go to Reykjavik, which is the capital city of Iceland, which has a lot of very strange, crazy history. Mm. Um, it's a really, it's a city. I mean, when I was there and, you know, this is modern day. It feels like a city on the edge of civilization, like it's, you know, Iceland is the land of ice and fire. Mm-hmm. It really does feel like that. And there's some really cool history, which we'll be diving into next week. Oh, brilliant. I cannot wait. So, guys, thank you so much for listening and catch us on the next one in two weeks time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.